We're recording. Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Joined today by with just Jason, no Josh. Just me. Yep, just two of us. So it is draft week, and then next week is going to be the big one, free agency week. Yes, we're so, officially turning the page from the disastrous 2021-2022 season for the so least. Is this technically our first episode of the season? I think so. I guess or did we say that last week? I don't know, but last week was more of like a like a, a a book ending for the season. I think today today is like a today. good yeah. Let, let's just sense. call it it. That Open. would make sense. The yeah. first episode of the season. Welcome yep. back. It's been uh, a long eight days, I believe it was. Yep. Today we're going to be getting into some of the draft. Uh, not going to lie, neither of us watched any of these prospects this year. Nope. We're going to be going off of information from the experts as well as some storylines to watch for in the draft. More so vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want, not, like, not going to lie, I watched like three Luca Del Bell Balut sh- sh- uh, shifts. Yeah, I, I, I honestly haven't watched any, any of these guys. I've been pretty busy, so. But yeah, exactly. It's not my forte, so I'm not going to pretend <laughs> like it is. I'm, I, all my takes are going to be solely relied on Will Scouching's beautiful document that if you're Ooh. a Patreon subscriber to him, uh, you have access to that. And yeah, we had him on last year. He yeah, was awesome. He was awesome. But so I actually haven't even taken a look at it yet. Yeah. But so we're going to be not bullshitting, just giving you the storylines, the fun things to watch out for. And then we're going to be getting into some around the league, some kind of state of the Leafs, some Leafs rumors. If you haven't been paying attention, obviously the rumor mill is swirling because of all the possibilities that could kind of come to fruition before the start of next season um it seems like a lot of the insiders don't really have concrete scoops however it's just a lot of speculation based on what they've seen in the past and how they kind of see it moving forward yeah it seems to be it's speculation season that's the exactly it's off season so exactly so let's get into the draft first and foremost who what are some of the names that the leafs we could see available around the Leafs pick, who we could see the Leafs picking. Um, well, first, let's start. Where are the Leafs picking? The Leafs are picking 20, 25th. 25th. Okay. Yes. So a little bit further down the draft. And this draft is, I think I talked a little bit to my brother about this. Not too many guys at the tippy top. Uh, after like after the top, it's kind of just a, a, mishmash. a mishmash, right? A grant mishmash. <laughs> a grant mishmash of just players. So exactly. he was saying that, most of the players from like what are twenty five to forty are probably all going to be similar. So it's yeah, it's um, it'll be curious to see. There obviously nice. are what I said. Nice, yeah. curious. Nice. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a new word. We're on a roll. New season, uh, but we'll see how who drops in the draft. Obviously, there's every single year there's guys who drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the prime candidates. So I used to follow the draft few seasons ago i uh, was pretty intense into it from 20 i don't know say 2012 to 2019 kind of thing fell off 2020 even though that was the one year yeah i had all the time in the world to you know kind of Do watch these players because some of them were playing when the leafs weren't mm-hmm. instead i just fun like just focused solely onto leafs prospects <laughs> during that time and uh didn't actually watch any of them so 2012 to 2019, I, I would say, is my sweet spot. But, 
Where, where the fuck was I going with this? <laughs> we're just not. We're, we're going into the lease. We're going into the lease. Uh, what what they could be looking at at around pick 25. Players that could be there. Oh, exactly. Players that could be available. What some people are projecting for them. What central mm-hmm. scouting is saying. All that jazz. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was getting at. So, so we've all, we all, all, every single year you see guys fall through the draft. I mean, yeah. one notable one I want to say, Arthur Kaliev was ranked sixth by central scouting, and he went all the way in the 33rd pick. He had 102 points that year. Like, you'll see stuff like that. Like, Nick Patan went in the second round. He had 120 points in the WHL. Um, what are some other ones? Jordan Cairo went in the second round. Alex DeBrincat fell to the second round. And, like, when you look back on these drafts, there's so many where it's like, wow, like, that was that was a pretty steep fall for that player. But they ended up, you know, there's obviously some questions around them. There's no, mm-hmm. Nobody drops for no reason. And then they end up being a great player, you know, in the likes of Alex Brinkat and uh, Yegor Korshkov. We drafted Yegor Korshkov over Alex Brinkat. Just a reminder. I believe and Jordan and Kyrou Jordan Kyrou. too. Yeah, yeah. and Kyrou. One pick, I think it was one pick before Kyrou, and then Brinkat was like a little bit later. Yeah, but <sighs> can't and win Carter Hart, but <laughs> can't win them all. There's also a fun Leafs draft memory that. Uh, I w- I've been keeping tabs on for years. Um, there's, yeah, the double <laughs> phones with uh, Rasmus Sandin. That one did work out pretty well for the Leafs. But the one in my head was 2015. The Leafs had a lower first-round pick. I believe it was number 25. They traded number 25. I don't have this. Might not. I might be missing parts. They traded number 25 to the Flyers in exchange for the 29th pick and the 30. Fifth pick, I want to say, something around there. The Leafs then traded the 29th pick to, I think, the Blue Jackets or something like that in exchange for more second-round picks and third-round picks. So essentially, the big players that the Leafs got out of that was Travis Dermott, Jeremy Bracco. Um, there's someone else in there. that went, And a lot of guys that didn't pan out. So I was keeping it, to, and the Flyers ended up with the 25th pick. They took Travis Konechny. They traded up for Travis Konechny. So for years, I was like tracking, okay, who's who won that trade? Travis Konechny for Jeremy Bracco and Travis Dermott. And for a couple of years, Jeremy Bracco looked like a player, especially in the AHL. Put up 79 points in 75 games the year 2018-2019. Yeah, and his first, his rookie year, he was like pretty close to a 30, point per game yeah, in the last 30 games. Yeah. He had 32 and 50, right? And then his last season, I don't, he just... Like it was certain things he needed to develop, and it was like he just did not chose not to. Yeah, you could like, see uh, if you honestly, if you just go on his hockey DB, you can click. You know how you can click through the pictures and see the old, like the old oh, headshots yes. of him. You Some can just see how much weight he's gained since. Like, oh, he just not trying, to, but like you can just tell like the reasons why. Oh and man, you know what? As much as I'm, he rip- was allergic to the corners. He was allergic to playing defense as well. And we were allergic to was, trading him while he was. Yeah, <laughs> but he was so crazy talented. And he was such a good playmaker too. Yeah, power play. He was automatic. I think I watched one game. He scored, I believe, but just hit the post twice in a playoff game too. That's wild. He was unreal. Um, yeah. So shout out Jeremy Bracco. We're just not choosing not to play defense. <laughs> Good year in the German league, so yeah. maybe we see him back. Point per game in the Dell. Yep, yep. Anywho, um, so the Leafs at number 25. That was a whole tangent sidetrack there. But let's go through some, what some people are saying. Craig Button, your favorite, Jason. 
mocked Liam Ogren, Swedish player, um, left winger, six foot and three quarters. Not uh, not the most sizable, but Craig oh. mocked Liam Ogren to the Leafs there at uh, number 25. Bob McKenzie's scouts rankings, which these pretty well match up to what's going to mm-hmm. happen because he pulls, I believe it's 10 scouts. Yeah, and I, I think with those, it's more predictive than it is. Sorry, it's more predictive of what the draft's going to be than what players, right? It's Usually, or, or is that more Bob well, McKenzie's no, it's, list? Uh, well, yeah, his scout rankings. So oh, okay. this isn't even from him. This isn't like his rankings. Oh, okay, he pulls okay. 10 scouts. And I believe he aggregates it and then puts out what, uh, like, the rankings for all the players, right? Okay. So, based on what these scouts from NHL teams are saying, like, it kind of unfolds that sort of way, right? There are some curveballs. I mean, there was one year, uh, you probably don't remember this guy, Joey Hishin. He was picked, I want to say, 17th to, let me actually go to my extensive draft Spreadsheet, which is not working Colorado, right now. Colorado, 2010. Uh, yes, he was picked from the Owen Sound attack. Mm-hmm. He was picked to the Colorado Avalanche, and I think Bob McKenzie had him 46 or something like that. Central Scouting had him at 46th for North American skaters. The Avalanche picked him at 17th. That happens. There, who, there was he also- came close to the NHL. Yeah. That, that's a guy I really liked in junior. He got knocked out. Um, in the Memorial Cup and then had to miss like a full year and a half or something like that. So that obviously does hurt your development. But, you know. Who's the other guy who was like, it was, it was the, the COVID year. The COVID year, Tyler Boucher? No, no, no. It was Tyler. No, there's another one who was like, I think it was the COVID? Blue Jackets went just completely off the board. No. Oh, the first COVID year. Yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah. called the guy and like they had to wake him up essentially. <laughs> hey, buddy, you got drafted in the first round. <laughs> Like certain people just on the draft panel were just like, I don't know who this guy is. Do you remember his name? No, I don't know. He was a Russian guy. There was something like that. I swear Shakir McMadoulin might not not have been supposed to have been that high. I can't remember though. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me on that. But in regards to the Bob McKenzie rank, yeah. Chinnikov? That That sounds about right. Yeah. I think he came over this year. Yeah, he's playing. Yeah, he played 62 games this year. So look, yeah, he died. 14 points. You know what? For. Yeah, it's pretty good for oh. a twenty-one-year-old <laughs> that was woken up on draft. Yeah, like, so we'll see. Yarmo knows stuff, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> more tangents. More tangents. Hell yeah! Uh, so some of the the rankings essentially around what the Leafs are going to be. Number twenty, he has Isaac Howard. Twenty-one, he has Liam Ogren again. Uh, number twenty-two, he has Noah Oslin. Uh, number twenty-three, he has Owen Pickering. So this is an interesting kind of player, Owen Pickering. He was. Picked with Swift Current's last pick in his WHL draft. Last pick, he was five foot seven at the time. Do you know how tall he is now? He's listed at six foot four and a half. Holy smokes. He grew. He grew. I don't even want to do the math right now, but he grew. Apparently he's wiry thin though. Just simply because I mean, when you're growing what? It's hard to fill out like almost that. a yeah. full foot in a few years. Like you're going to fill out. So that's kind of a, a project. They're probably going to make him eat a little bit, mm-hmm. whatever team picks him, but kind of a funny story around Owen Pickering there. Uh, number 24, Bob has Denton Matejchuk. 
Uh, Moose Jaw Warriors defense me. He's a little bit smaller, five foot ten and a half. Twenty five. He has Ryan Chesley. Um, some fun names he has here is uh, number twenty seven Rutger McGrory. Um, I don't mean fun as in like always oh, a fun player. No, like literally fun names. And then uh, <laughs> my favorite name in the draft, Luca Del Bell Balutz. That's a good one. So in case you haven't noticed, this draft has some of the best names you will ever see. Oh yeah, he's going higher. But one of my other favorites, Cutter Gautier. Cutter, yeah, I was about to bring him up. If you if he gets picked by a team that has a baseball team in the same city, like that's just a match made in heaven in terms of marketing, right there. Luca Del Belbalutes, like DBB. Oh man, that like what that a guy, nickname that he's guy's got there. Got to be from Woodbridge, I believe he is. Yeah, Holy I God. heard about him a couple of years ago because like someone, I don't know, someone asked, "Hey, if you." Uh, you heard of this Luca Del Belbalus guy? Yeah. <laughs> Woodbridge, Ontario. Come on. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. Exactly. So, but yeah, so guess. going in, <laughs> it's kind of easy when you got a name like that. But um, yeah, going into the, some of those names you listed, specifically Liam Ogren, he's the eighth ranked for the EU scouts. Scouting has him as the number 10th, 10th on his draft mm-hmm. board. So, we we like Will Scouch over here. We think he's a sharp guy. We know, like I know, he's a sharp guy. Just uh, look at his uh, scouting. Is, scouting. Team scouting. Yeah, team scouting. They're great. He's team. got Kaprizov on that team. Yeah. Kaprizov went fifth round yeah. in the NHL. So Rasmus Anderson as well. A couple. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of other. I think he has Wallstrom there too. I think a couple. Of, uh, uh, basically, used player. Yeah, the guys guys he have there. They're generally NH. Like they make the NHL, which is yeah. honestly for a lot of these teams, it's tough to do even when you're picking in the first round, right? Mm-hmm. Look how long it's taken for us to develop some of our guys to to make it to the NHL. But, anyways, yeah, um, yeah. So it so, looks like in in terms of scouts, like we're looking, there's a lot of tier three guys here. Yeah, has, that's, but we're going to be in that range, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's the thing on his on his list. He kind of ha- does a tier ranking system. First two tiers are consist of only six players, three respectively, uh, and then the third and fourth tier uh, are from number seven all the way to number forty. So there's that's kind of what we're talking about there where there's like kind of a mishmash after the first couple of picks of just who's who's going to go where and it's going to depend on the team and how they rank each prospect which guy's going to get picked. So one thing I was talking about uh any other players you going to get into or I what, don't just like read their names. Yeah, I guess I don't, like, I, don't know, I don't know. There's not I have nothing. Not the, but I think this like uh, what makes the most sense for the Leafs is honestly just to trade back with just the amount I of options available uh Seems like a lot of a lot of these guys. Like I, I don't know much about these guys, but it seems like the scouts don't know much. Yeah. Um, they don't know much, but it's like We've seen the least trade back. I mean, it's it's not out of their mo. Right? Yeah, it's it's part. It's what they do, and also they have only three picks this year. I believe one. Mm-hmm. It's a first, a fourth, and a seventh, or first, fourth, yeah, sixth. So that would make sense. Something like that. So just to re restock those those assets, I guess is I think it, what you could like. For me, I think that's what, like what you'd expect the most at least looking at these guys because again they don't have their second round pick for the next two years mm-hmm. um they so yeah it's first third and seventh this so year it also depend how much they really like this draft of course class, who they like so i i could fully see that as well they'll trade down to like the third day yeah. two essentially yeah and try to get try to find like who's a team that has two second round picks maybe take a look at that or um Possibly it would be like a second and a third, a high second and a, a third, high third, mm-hmm. something like that for that first round pick, right? So some of the other names we have in here, uh, Owen Beck, 
I believe he's I don't even know where he plays. Who cares? Um, no, Owen Beck and then Connor Geeky. Geeky, um, that's Morgan. I believe that's Morgan Geeky's brother. From what I've heard of this guy, just he's enormous, very skilled though, but skating needs some work, so we can rebuild him. You know, and then the last name we have here is Jagger Furkus. That was yeah. another all name team uh, guy. Uh, apparently, he has a killer mustache, like uh, a, a killer ginger mustache, but he. He's a prime target to fall in the draft because he weighs 155 pounds. Yeah, my brother, like that's the one name that Josh brought up to me. He said this guy yeah. has nasty hands, doesn't really know where very he's going to go, but he's very, very high skill player. He's not so. the he's not the best skater. Like he he's an okay skater, and mm-hmm. especially at that size, you know, will he be able to play in the middle of the ice in the NHL? Who knows? So you're generous with calling that a mustache, by the way. Why? What's it look like? <laughs> it's Junior? like very thin. Oh, Someone told, <laughs> I I was listening. It was grinding draft podcast. They they mentioned it. So let's see. Okay, I don't think that's what it looks like now. <laughs> maybe Nobody, I'm, no. maybe I'm doing them dirty. Maybe I I'm think doing you them are. Dirty. I think you are. So those are some of the names to expect the Leafs to take a look at in terms of their prospect pool. I mean, I want to like what what a need would be in the prospect pool. I. Almost want to say defense. Like, they have Topi yeah. Nimala, who's a solid. But outside of that, like, when you look at a lot of the names, like, who's the other best pro- defenseman prospect they had? Like, they didn't pick a defenseman last year, mm-hmm. I don't believe. Who Did they pick one the year before, or was that Topi Nimala? Was that Willem v- Villain? Oh, uh, William Villain- Villanueva or whatever. Yes. He was the year before. Oh, okay. So he's, he's got some work to do. I wouldn't say he's the yeah, highest. So yeah, no, the... No, no, not not that I can see, no. But no first round defenseman since Rasmus Sandin. Yeah, also, so. we have traded a lot of yeah those picks, but you know, like it's Topi Nimala and who else? So maybe take a look out for that. Um, they also could just be in a position to pick the best player. Yeah, I think that's more what they're. It's not like a dying towards. need for defense, so yeah. we'll see. We'll see who they pick, um, but. A lot of uh, a lot of fun names to pronounce on there. Hopefully, hopefully we get Jagger Furkus. Yeah, for, that that would just be good for me. Be an potential. All vibes team. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe some Connor Geeky to appease the uh, the older crowd. Yeah, because <laughs> everyone shit their pants after. Remember the year the least drafted nobody over six foot. Yeah, that was that was, that was <laughs> wild. They got some good picks out of that one. Well, but, was, that was the twenty. I believe that was the Nimala. So it was like Rodi and Amarov. Um, they traded back, and Ottawa got Tyler Clevin. And the Leafs uh, ended up with Topi Nimala and um, the, the, the other Finnish guy on HIFK, I believe it is. I can't remember his name. He's pretty good, I can though. find it. And a bunch of other small guys. Anyways, moving on. Some more, some broader storylines to look at for this draft coming in. I'm under the full belief that Shane Wright is going to the Montreal Canadiens. Like, it, it just makes too much sense. He's a fantastic player. All the knocks on, it's like, okay, he missed a full season of hockey last year, right? Like, that that will impede your production. I know his production isn't the best. Like, when you just look at the raw numbers, it isn't the best in terms of first overall picks. Like, I, I took all the data from drafted players, players drafted to the NHL, from the OHL, WHL, QMJHL, and USHL. And I, I found the average draft year stats for each overall pick for forwards. That is, 
So that's forwards drafted from the USHL, OHL, QMJHL, and WHL. So that would include guys like Jack Hughes. Um, I believe Nathan McKinnon is in there as well. Connor McDavid should be in there. Neil Yakupov, Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, right? When you look at their point-per-game numbers, um, it's sitting at 1.85, right? I Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Shane Wright is closer to 1.49. Yeah. In 94 points this year in 68 games or so. Yeah. So, like, it, there is a bit of a difference. Like, he's lower than Neil Yakupov. He's lower than Nico Hishier. However, he does project to be a lot better because he's a lot more skilled and he's just a flat out better player than those mm-hmm. guys that I just mentioned, right? Um, on top of that, the average points, uh, it's, it's dragged down because of Neil Yakupov. Yeah. But screw it. So, just in terms of point per game, it, sh- it, sh- it just shows, like, okay, like, you know, this wasn't the, the most prolific year, but after the World Juniors, he he had a slow start, no doubt about it, but he, he did really pick it up. Um, I, I've watched him a little bit. I, I think there's a lot there, and he's an extremely smart player too with a terrific shot. So I, I think he should probably will, like all 18-year-olds do, struggle in the first part of the season and then pick it up from there. And hopefully Montreal doesn't surround him with too terrible talent. Yeah, I, w- I wonder what do you. So I, I think Shane Wright's going to be the first overall pick too. Yeah. I think I think there's just a lot of smoke around that just for smoke's sake. But uh, I wonder if you're in Montreal, would you just send him back to the OHL for one more year or no? It's a possibility because he's not. It's not like he's blowing you out of the water in the OHL. And I mean, J- Jeff Merrick brought up the point of that, like you kind of. Since he because he was an exceptional status player in the OHL, is it like yeah. people are just now overanalyzing the crap out of his game because he's been around for so I long? I heard that as well. That could be a thing, right? So happened with John Tavares. Like, yeah. Remember, it was going into that twenty two thousand nine draft. It was like Victor Hedman or John Tavares, like mm-hmm. who's going to get picked there? Even though John Tavares had been putting up a hundred points in the OHL yeah. for like three years, and it's easy to say with hindsight. But if you looked, if you were like revisiting that draft. Even just in the first three years, you'd be like, people are crazy for even suggesting Hedman over him, right? So yeah, because Hedman took a while, it took a, a lot but, later. Yeah, but, it was actually Mac Duchesne that won Rookie of the Year, I believe. Yeah, and yeah, over those two, it's crazy. I remember thinking like, when were they drafted? Two thousand nine. So it must have been like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Thinking about how like, oh my gosh, Matt, how was Matt Duchesne not the guy picked first overall this year? Like, <laughs> you know, what I mean, and that, it's just like, I can yep. see why. But anyways, yep. Time usually shows yeah. who's uh, who's the big dog in all of these drafts. It's fun to do a redraft, though, of like 2012 because those guys are set. Like 1994, 28 years old. They're not, they're, you're not going to see too many guys like start to improve mm-hmm. at this age. So it's fun to do like a redraft of that year and see who you'd pick. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anywho, moving on from that. Um, where are my notes? There we are. Um, so Shane Wright, we think, is going number one, right? However, there is smoke around Uri Slavkowski, the Slovakian winger, going to Montreal at number one. If he does, there is some shuffling to be go- like, that's going to happen after this. Because think about this. The New Jersey Devils have Jack Hughes, and they have Nico Hischier. Do they then go Logan Cooley to then put on the wing there? Do you want Shane Wright? Like, do you then, like, or do you have to move then Nico Hischier because you have Shane Wright? How close are you to actually winning? Like, do you want to move out your number two center 
for a guy that's obviously not immediately as good, but is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Like, how close are you? How badly do you want to win right now? Do you end up then just going with Logan Cooley or someone else like at I, that number two pick? Or do you trade it, which you wouldn't have much time to yeah. if you don't know what Montreal's doing? Well, I, I'm sure teams are preparing like mentally. Uh, like If you're a suitor of Shane Wright and you want Shane Wright, because the Devils have been pretty open about will, their willingness to move that second overall pick, right? So yeah. uh, if you're the Devils, maybe you just, say, screw, you just say screw it and trade the pick and... I'm sure there's teams that were probably kicking tires earlier that might circle back to you after that pick, and you maybe do it under the gun, or you just draft Shane Wright and then flip him. Who knows, right? Like, but exactly, it could be that'd be weird. Yeah, yeah it'd be, you bring that. That is a very interesting little scenario that could because possibly because the Devils happen, want to right? win now. Like, when yeah, was the last time sure. the Devils well, made the playoffs? I mean, that and like if you just look at their free agent moves, everything around that team just screams now, win, like Jack, win now. Jack yeah. Hughes' big contract now mm-hmm. kicks in. You're paying Nico Hischier now a good amount of money. Yeah. Um, Ty Smith is now moving into the NHL. He's on an entry-level deal. He's another one of your young prospects. Like You signed Dougie Pavel Hamilton. Zaka, like yeah, a- you signed Dougie Hamilton to all that money, mm-hmm. too. Like Spent a bit of money on Jonathan Bernier, too, even though that hasn't worked out because of injuries, right? So we've seen the Devils now for three seasons – Spend a little bit in free agency. Remember, they gave Wayne Simmons five mil for one yeah. year in free agency. Oh yeah, like they they want to start winning. They're not in like the I don't want to say the biggest market, but like they're not in like a die die hard market where it's like you can go through the slowest of slow rebuilds. Like you know, they need that gate attendance. They need that mm-hmm. draw. So I, I really do wonder what's going to happen if Shane Wright doesn't go number one with the Devils there. Because then, if they go Cooley, then number three is Arizona. Like, do they just get a free pick right there, or is someone calling to trade up? And then, do they make that trade down and try to rebuild their prospect pool because it's not the greatest right now? Yeah. Or do you pick Shane Wright and you have like, hey, like this guy was ranked number one. Like, you We're have some marketing them. material kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah, I could. I, I think that's. I. I that makes the most sense to me. Like for sure, not falling past number three. But yeah, yeah, it'd be but cool. Like, yeah, it, it's an exceptional status player. Yeah, I'd love to see the ripple effects yeah. of stuff. Three stuff. years later, now, like he, like he's not the shoe in number mm-hmm. one, right? Like he's kind of in that tier. But yeah, again, an exceptional player missed a whole year of hockey last yeah. year. Um, and. Yeah, we'll see. We'll now, see how that shapes. Now out. I'm going to be cheering for Slavkovsky to go first overall, just to see it. Like that's such a fun storyline that we could so watch. More and plus, in Montreal too, when everyone wants Shane Wright, and like you can tell that, that Habs fans want Shane Wright, right? So to see, obviously, the the the, the Habs are going to do what they think is best for their team, mm-hmm. right? And if they think that Slavkovsky is going to end up being a better NHL player, they're going to pick him. Yeah. So uh, there's a reason why those guys are in the front office and. Yeah, everyone else is in the stands, right? So, exactly. but it's it'll be funny to see because chances are they'll be raining booze. Man, you remember t- the 2018 draft where they picked Jesperi Kakanyemi number three? Yeah, and there's that video the lady, of the, right? the old lady, and she's like, <laughs> sh- like just pulling apart her face because they picked Kakanyemi probably over Zadina or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, that that's a good draft. I love. Those. I, I wonder if they boo him. What, what was it? The Knicks picked Perzingis and he got booed. Maybe I was I that. Was that in New York? Yeah, but was that wasn't that like in Brooklyn kind of thing where it's like Brooklyn booing the Knicks guys, or is that 
No, like Knicks no. fans were very upset about Porzingis going at number four. I don't know. I I I feel like they I did remember that. that. I, I wonder if it was in New York though. That was my only question. But I feel like that also happened with the Giants too. Which pick? I don't know. Daniel Jones, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Anywho, moving on. Yeah, uh, after the- Daniel Jones. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a tough way to start your career. Uh, he also stinks. So whatever. Moving on, another storyline to watch for in this first round is the number of Russians going. Obviously, like Russia's at war with Ukraine. Like we don't have to say other, anything else. the The big storyline here, though, like a the Flyers signed a goaltender. Um, can you look up his name? They signed him out of CSK Moskva, that team, in the KHL. He was supposed to come over and play for the Flyers next year. He was in Russia, and he got detained, I believe, because for evading mandatory military service, and he's like in the Russian army right now. Yeah, his name is Ivan Fedotov. Yeah. So I, obviously I'm not you know, following the story and describing as well as I should. But like that's that's crazy. Like are, are teams just? I've heard a little bit that some teams are just not picking any Russians this year. Could could be right because you like who knows if if that's like that sets a precedent of who knows what's going to happen with all the other yeah. Russian players, right? If they're just all of a sudden getting drafted into the army. Um, but yeah, that'll be another interesting storyline to follow because I don't know uh, how central scouting is rating all these Russian prospects. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any that stand out again. Like I didn't watch a lot of these. I didn't watch any of these guys. So yeah, um, yeah I'll be, maybe, maybe there's going to be a couple fallers there that could end up being steals in the future. Right. So exactly. Uh, I should know his name. I don't, but there is one Gleb. Trikozov. No. How good is that name though? That's great. Gleb. <laughs> um, is this the guy? Anyways, uh, there is one Russian that is playing in the, has played, in the OHL this season. He, he was supposed to play in the OHL last season as well. He seems pretty safe in terms of teams not taking him off their board. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more um, if you're in Russia because, like... Yeah, then there Russia is one Russian in, right? player. I should have his name, but he was averaging two and a half minutes a game in the KHL this year. Like, some scouts are saying, like, he had so, such a limited, like, tape on him that it was it was crazy how limited the tape was on him because they just the team just chose not to play him ever, right? That's so that'll be a guy that will fall down the boards not only because he's Russian, but like also what the hell is he? And then maybe a team with multiple first-round picks takes a swing at him, right? Like guys that are fallers, I feel like a lot of teams with multiple first-round picks are going to take a swing on their second first-round pick there. Like when you look at a guy like – when you think back to 2014 – uh, what the Islanders did with Josh Hosang, right? Like, fell down the board, and then they traded up. Throw the dart at him. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. It's interesting number one <laughs> on the docket. Probably not. Probably said it a lot more. Anyway, so, the Russia situation, we'll see what happens there um, and uh, and see where these Russians end up going or how many end up going in the draft. So, some other uh, we we covered the Owen pick or the the Pickering one, drafted at five seven to the WHL. Mm-hmm. Um, another really funny draft story to keep your eye on, Lane Hudson. He showed up to the combine with doctor documentation saying that his bone age is lower 
than his actual age and that he will be growing. What? So a lot of scouts are concerned about his height, and he showed up to the combine saying, I will grow with doctoral documentation. I don't know how you... Like, I love that. That's a new one. My bones are younger than what I am. I am going to be growing. Like, Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what to say to that. Something to keep your eye on. I mean, his measurements through the years, does he grow? I mean, we saw that happen with Marty St. Louis, but like, I feel like that was just because they kept juicing his height. Yeah. He was not 5'9". He was definitely 5'7". So still Lane is. Hudson, yeah. another funny one. Um, and speaking of American players, a lot are projected to go in the first round. I believe... United States development team program could have as many as eight. Probably wow. won't go that many, but there's a lot of good players in the first round that are that are going to be coming out of that program. I think uh, it was the Jack Hughes year. There was also a lot, so I kind of think about that year as well. Mm-hmm. So Scouch has one, two, three, four, five, six, six in the his top twenty-seven. So. Six in the wow. Yeah, so six in, six in, in his first round, I guess. Where does he have Lane Hudson? Uh, Lane Hudson is third, or sorry, 24th. Oh, okay. 24th overall. He kind of has three three all tiered together, which is funny. In that tier three, it goes Howard, Cutter, Gautier, and then Lane Hudson. Cutter, Gautier. And what then Jaeger, Fergus. Yep. Yeah. Uh, other storyline. I think this will be more of a day two storyline to watch out for is the number of players that were passed up last year from the OHL or even actually all leagues because COVID did heavily affect everyone. How many of those get redrafted into the NHL draft this year? Because when your first two years past your actual draft year or yeah, your first two years, you're entered back into the draft unless you sign an entry level deal. So then that's where like guys, I think they'll, they'll be, 2003 born, 2002 born. I think there's even one 2001, Lucas Edmonds. When they get entered back into the draft, where do they end up getting picked? So there's one prominent one, Tucker Robertson. He's a smaller player out of Peterborough. Didn't get trapped, like played his rookie year in the OHL. Had to, didn't play last year at all. And then this year had a fantastic year and is now on scouts board. So we'll see where Tucker Robertson ends up getting redrafted. Uh, some other guys, and I think Lucas Edmonds, I saw that name thrown around. Igor Suchkov, Russian, but possibly yes. 20, 20 years old, 2001 born. I guess. I don't know. Scouting has uh, him on his list, so I'm saying his name. There we go. And then maybe I'll look smart in a couple and of And then uh, Jordan Kairou's brother, Christian Kairou, is on this list as well. He was an Erie Otters defenseman. Okay. So we'll see. I think he's a he's – a re- yeah, he is. I'm like 90% sure on he's that eight, one. Yeah, I think he's just a little bit older, though. Just a tad. Just a touch older. Yeah. Um. And then I guess the last, last, last one is the number of goalies picked in the first, I want to say, two rounds because it's not projecting to be a lot. But when we see one goalie picked, we usually see a couple more go immediately after. So we'll see if that pressure from other teams kind of makes teams jump the gun. Quickly, there's a goalie named Rourke Appleby. What a nice. (laughs) There was a goalie... He was an Oshawa Generals goaltender. I believe New Jersey signed him Ken Appleby. Oh, okay. So maybe they're related. Maybe. Where does this guy play? Uh, Portsmouth or? Abbey School. USHS prep. Uh, probably not related. Uh, I have no idea. No clue. Um, hopefully we do see, though, this year a little Mark Jankowski-type action. Remember what happened with him? No, I don't. Wow. He got drafted at Canadian High School. 
Jay Feaster was like, this guy's going to be the best player in this draft. They traded back to get him as well. And he was playing at Canadian high school. Come on. <laughs> I had no idea about that. That's hilarious. Actually, now that you mentioned it, it sounds... Uh, Played a few seasons in the yeah. NHL. So, like, he wasn't terrible, but it was like... You he drafted still- him out of, like, one of the weakest competition yeah. there is. I mean, hey, he was supposed to be in the return with, for the Kadri deal. So, wow. in the supposed deal to Calgary that got nixed. Yeah. yeah. TJ Brody and Mark Jankowski, I think. But we got Brody correctly. anyways, so... Yeah. Rock and roll, right? <laughs> uh, last draft story I have here. Uh, Corey Pronman said this on his podcast. He wasn't sure if it was a rumor actually reported, but it's kind of funny. But in 2012, the New York Islanders, under the helm of Garth Snow, who we know at draft day can get aggressive, the Islanders offered all of their draft picks to the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for the second overall pick. Number two that year was Ryan Murray. Who did the Islanders draft in the third round that year? Adam Pellick. <laughs> Who would you rather have? Well, Ryan Murray does have more Stanley Cups than Adam Pellick. We'll say that. However, I would much prefer Adam Pellick if uh, I'm being totally honest there. Do you have their... And then fourth overall, I believe they... Griffin Reinhardt. Griffin Reinhardt. That's it. So they, they offered all their picks. I mean, they missed on all of them, so maybe I, other than Adam point. Pellick, obviously, which is like a home run. But yeah, <laughs> Garth Snow was That's always bananas. hilarious. Draft they like traded up to get Josh Hosang. He made that trade to get uh, Matthew Barzell in 2015. Like he was just not afraid to to throw some picks mm-hmm. at the to throw away some picks to to move up the board. But fortunately, unfortunately, he's not a GM anymore. He made draft day fun. But I think that's all my draft notes I have for for there. You probably didn't learn anything about any of these prospects, but hopefully you enjoyed uh, some of the stories and the storylines that we got going on uh, coming into this draft. Yeah, right? yeah, and hopefully drafts on Thursday. So yeah, hopefully at least draft somebody good and fun and <laughs> someone we can say is going to be the best 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 guy and be on the team the next two years, but then realistically not even come to the AHL team for the next five years. Yeah. But. <laughs> I do want to address one thing, though. A couple of years ago when play, people were saying, oh, the Leafs have no defensemen. Why are they not drafting Braden Sh- Brendan Schneider or Caden uh, Gooley with uh, the 15th pick? And instead they took Rodian and Amarov. And then a lot of people now are going like, okay, number one, to that point, like why are they not drafting a big defenseman in this round because they immediately need D now? Um, that's not how it works. Like Schneider... Okay, he played for the Rangers this year. He didn't play very well. He didn't play very much. Yeah. Played 11 minutes a game in the playoffs. Would that have helped the Leafs this year? Like, be real. No. No, it wouldn't have at all. Kane Gooley hasn't played in the NHL yet. Or if he has, he hasn't played more than five games, I don't believe. How would that help them now that they don't have D now? Even Owen Power has only played 10 games, right? Like this, the turnaround that people expect, I think is just super unrealistic and just galaxy brain. It's not going to happen. How many 18 year olds come into the league and like are actually very good contributors? There's that's the, that's the problem right there. Very few. And the the very few that did played for our team. So people expect that to happen when it's just really just the, we were the exception to the rule. Oh, yeah, they did play for our team. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, the revisionist history, oh, they should have went with Caden Gooley at 15th overall. Okay, like, Rodian Amarov has cancer. 
It's very unfortunate. He is battling cancer. To go back and make those revisionist history picks like that, like it's just silly. Just stop. Yeah. It's it's unnecessary to say the least. Yeah. Like we hope Rodin Amarov makes a full recovery, whether he plays hockey again or not, competitively. Like, does not matter. Hopefully, he just makes a full recovery. Yeah. That's all I gotta say about that one. Um, let's get in. Moving away from the draft now. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some Leafs news that you have written here. Yeah, so I just think it's a good idea because uh, we'll go through kind of like a little primer of uh, just just the Leafs' entire team, kind of team-level situation at the NHL level, right? Because a lot of stuff happens at the draft, a lot of moving parts, right? You tend to see a lot of players who are kind of already on the outs with their roster. Hint, hint, maybe guys we're going to talk about in the future, right? Like in, in a couple minutes, um, get moved out around draft time because that's just mm-hmm. kind of the best time to do it, right? You you. It, you just see teams do it a lot, right? So just to get into it to start, right? Leafs have, I think, seven, six, six, seven million ish dollars in cap space. Mm-hmm. So they have enough room to, they, and they're looking for a goalie, obviously. Like that's, with, without a doubt, what they're going to be looking for. In six, seven million. But on top of that, it, like as we, rep- we, not as we reported, giving us way too much credit there. As we mentioned last podcast, as I posted on our story, it looks like one of Kasha or Engvall could be moved out. Yeah, yeah. So but there's a decent amount of cap space, and there's a lot of room for guys to get get the door. But anyway, starting with the forwards, right? Really only guy who I could see moved, and I think you as well, I think it's fair, fair to say that's currently signed to our roster is probably Alexander Kerfoot, right? UFA goal. He's uh, making $3.5 million. $3.5 million this year. Had a great 52 season. 52 points. 52 points. Uh, it's UFA next year. Um, he does have a modified no trade clause though, but the, he, that's pretty much it of the guys. But that kicks signed. in. What day does that kick in? Cause it's not July in. 1st, 2022. Ah, damn it. It's passed. So I wonder, I wonder if that's Jul- like now changed to July 13th because all, all of them are supposed to say July 1st I, the, from what I understand. I but anyway, sorry, that's another tangent. But yeah, um, other than Alexander Kerfoot, chances are the guys we have signed right now. No, no one's really going to go anywhere. Either they're going to get sent down a la Nick Abruzzese or they're staying here. Unless like barring a big move where I'm assuming I'm off the top. I'm assuming no crazy big moves are, are made. Um, so yeah, the Leafs have 10 forward sign. Really, probably only one guy's like giving like a 25 to 50% chance for him to be moved. Now onto the players they have to sign. So they got to fill some spaces. First of all, Elian McKay of UFA. Chances are he's not coming back earlier in the week. It was reported that the Leafs are now shopping his rights. Similar to Zach Hyman, what they were trying to do with him in Edmonton. Get a seventh or you're, a probably not, you're probably not going to get anything, right? Unless there's maybe one team who really, really, really wants Ilya Mikheyev. And even still, like Edmonton really wanted Hyman. They weren't willing to give a seventh to save an extra $500,000 a year. So whatever. That's, that is, that is what it is. I can't remember which one, but yes, you're yeah. correct. So um, yeah, and then that, that brings us to the two RFAs, Pierre Engvall and Andre Cash. So something interesting about those two guys, they're old enough now where if you get, as an RFA, you get extended, the, the process, how it works is you get extended a qualifying offer. That's the team intent to sign you. Mm-hmm. You sign, you can agree. When that happens, you guys can kind of like negotiate a contract. So mm-hmm. these guys have, are, or you with, can accept your qualifying, or you offer. can accept your qualifying offer. Chances are you're not going to, because these mm-hmm. guys have the rights to go to arbitration where they get a neutral third party arbitrator to figure out the situation for both the team and themselves. So from what I understand, as, as what I've heard reported from Elliot Freeman and other sources, 
is the least do not want to go to arbitration or even have the chance to go to arbitration with either Pierre Engvall nor Andre Kosh. Mm-hmm. So if those guys are going to be on the team next year, you're probably going to see them sign before July 13th, which or I think it's July 10th, which is the final day to extend the qualifying offer. You're going to see them probably sign within the next week. If not, they're probably getting dealt at the draft. Because... Or, or a little bit later. It really depends because I don't see them letting these guys walk for nothing. I think they're, they... That could happen, though, because teams could look at the situation and go, okay, like, we can trade for him now. There's probably not the biggest market for yeah. Engvall and Kasha. Or we can just wait for you to not qualify him, which it seems like it's going to happen. Yeah. And then we'll go get them for free. That could be the case, too. So one of those two things could happen. Hopefully, they get traded if they're not going to get qualified. And if not... I, I don't know. I'd really like at least one of them to stay. Um, I wouldn't mind if... Agreed. Not really... I'm really lukewarm on the both of them. I like Pierre Engvall a decent eye lied. But Andre Kosh, I'm a little lukewarm about was kind of under, underwhelmed Just with him this season. the thing is, how much is Engvall going to get? Exactly. Right? right? Like, I, wanna, I, I don't want to give him anything more than one and a half, right? Maybe 1.65. Like, I want him on the same deal that we had him last year. I don't think he's shown more than that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that's the forwards. The forwards are a lot less interesting than... The rest of our team, obviously. And, oh, yeah, one last thing. Colin Blackwell, UFA, whatever. Wonder what we'll do with him. So this year, with Colin Blackwell actually ranked, like, don't quote me on this, around the 90th percentile in defensive numbers. Mm -hmm. So, like, very high up in the league. But offensive on ice impacts, it was, like, in the sixth. Mainly because he played in Seattle, and that's what it was. (laughs) That was the system in Seattle kind of thing. Don't they, you know, shut down defensively kind of uh, inability to score offensively. So just a little interesting tidbit about uh, Colin Blackwell. That's yeah. an interesting count number two. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, that you're keeping track. But yeah, like trying. honestly, like guys we're going to be looking for in free agency might be even similar to like the, the guy who that uh, Colin Blackwell is. So again, if we can get him on the cheap, I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't like, I don't see them not bringing him back, but who knows that stuff's kind of up in the air. We ca- we care more about the RFAs kind of and, the big name UFA who we're probably not going to get who we get in the, on the free agent market and forwards. We'll see. Um, but yeah, exactly. onto the D, uh, the D situation is a lot more fun and interesting to talk about, right? Because we it's have heating up. It's always at ever heating up because we have six defensemen signed right now. Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody, Justin Hall, Timothy Lilligan, and Mark Giordano. Now the funny part here is that we have this former first round pick 22 year old, prospect slash already NHL player who's played pretty well in the minutes that he's been given so far in Rasmus Sandin, who's an RFA. Uh, and it doesn't look right now. It doesn't seem, I don't want to say likely, but it doesn't really seem that they want like, what the heck is going on? It's gotten tricky on both sides. And it seems like it's because the Leafs haven't guaranteed a spot for Sandine, like where he's going to be playing regularly throughout next season and beyond. So if the Leafs, which they they could sign him, whatever, to Timothy Lilgren's contract, two years, 1.4. Sandine's looking at that and going, okay, but then if I'm the seventh defenseman, I'm scratched every other game, I'm not going to get qualified, then what the hell? And my market value is going to be zero. Yeah. And I'm going to be 24 looking for, for somewhere. And on top of that, you're not going to develop at all. So if you don't give him a spot, then why would he sign? Even if you're willing to sign him, if you can't guarantee him a spot, okay, you're going to be third pairing right D, second power play, whatever. 
They can't even guarantee him that. They were giving Mark Giordano second power play when uh, when Rasmus Sandin went down, right? So where does he go? Like, it, it, it's a weird situation. And I don't know, until, like, that would mean if you guarantee Sandin a spot, I like, there's so many left-handed D, I feel like it would have to be on the right side, and then that would have to guarantee him or Lilgren being in the top four. Yeah, and honestly, if that's the case, I'm not, like, I, I think we can manage. There will be growing pains. There will be growing but pains, but I, I think th- they'll figure it out, hopefully, by game six. I would hope so, and if they don't, guess what? You acquire something. But that's that's honestly not, I'm not really that, like, I don't really care that much about that, right? Whoever wants to play the right D, play the right D. But if I'm Rasmus Sandin, why, why the heck am I playing the right D? Exactly. I've, I've, I, don't, I don't know much. And I see a lot of people criticizing him. Oh, he's 22, he has 88 games, and he's asking for a guaranteed top four. Like, no, he's... Like, why wouldn't you guarantee, ask for a guaranteed spot? Of course, he's based a- on what you've been like, what you've been put through. Remember last year in the playoffs against Montreal, Rasmus Sandin started off as the power play one, a regular spot in the playoffs, and then the Leafs scratched him because they wanted to get Travis Dermott engaged for whatever that means. And then he, after that, he got all out of sorts, and it was downhill from there. Obviously. Yeah, in terms of his play, but the first two games, even the second game, he was awesome for sure. Yeah, and and if you're even if you're criticized, like same thing happened this year too. Just just to touch on that, like he got scratched a couple of games for a guy who's not even on the team anymore. You trade a third round pick for where are your priorities lying? Yeah, right. Like where are they lying? At one point, Sandine was playing so well they had to get him into the top four, so they paired him with Morgan Riley. Yeah. Like he made, he has made that level of impact on the on the team and on the coaching staff. Where you put him in the top four, you want to give him a look in the top four at twenty two years old, and then the next game, a couple games later, he's scratched. It's yeah. So just the the prospect development, the prospect management has just been insane. On top of that, as well, I know I, I know we're just beating a dead horse right now, but remember the lockout, the, the not the lockout season, but the COVID shortened season. We signed Miko Letton in, who played third, like like what eighteen twenty games for us. Sandin was injured, he, but, but he did start in the Marlies. He started and on that's the Marlies. That's where he got injured. Exactly. So it's like if I'm him, I'm like, why the heck did they sign this guy who they ended up trading like five, like five, five to six weeks? And this into wasn't the season. Sandin's rookie. That wasn't Sandin's rookie year. He did, wasn't out of nowhere. He played what forty games the year before. He, play, he played twenty eight games the year before, and I oh he didn't play in the playoffs that year. He ended up. He ended up playing in that season. No, they playoffs. scratched him for Travis Dermott, Marty Marinson. Marty Marinson. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But anyways, they scratched him for my minutes. Anyways, Rasmus Sandin. He's been absolutely jerked around by this team by his supposed boy and Kyle Dubas, Sault Saint Marie friend, right? And he's same thing with Sheldon Keefe, Sault Saint Marie friend. But he's honestly gotten nothing. But disrespected, it feels like by this organization, and I don't blame him. Not for being, disrespect. I would say not prioritized. Not prioritized at all. And the biggest thing that says that, and I know that you can look at all those things and say, "Oh, like maybe he's not ready, maybe he's not ready." But how about giving Morgan Riley seven and a half million dollars? Is kind of showing you the direction and what oh, we're going into. That what area. what that team right. thinks about you, right? Because they already had Jake Muzzin signed, right? They signed they signed Mark Giordano too. And you sign Morgan Riley. You now have three lefty on your roster. Where the hell is Sandin going to play? If I'm Sandin, I am sitting there. I am so pissed because you prioritize this 28-year-old guy over me, which is fine. I understand that. But from a team-building perspective, I don't know if this is the right move to make 
Because it seems like right now the way that people are talking about it is that Razzasan is going to get traded. So it seems like because uh, just the way that the cards are falling. Because realistically, what is the other option? If you're not going to guarantee him playing time, how, how? okay, let's go like this. How do you guarantee him playing time? You're going to have to move someone, right? I, d- I don't think I, if I was him, I wouldn't want to play on the right side. Jake Muzzin didn't want to play on the right side. Morgan Riley didn't want to play on the right side. Why would I play on the right side? Okay, so then the next way for them to get into the lineup, you can't just move Justin Hall and stick him on the right side. The next way to get him into the lineup is to move a left-handed D. You can't move Mark Giordano. You just signed him. He's making 800 k That's a steal. That's off the table. You can't move Morgan Riley. He has a no-move clause. You just gave him $7.5 million for the next eight years. And you can't, you, you can't trade Jake Muzzin either. He has a no-trade clause. You could waive him, but why would you do that with Jake Muzzin? You just, last year, you traded for Ilya Labushkin. Why? Why did you need to trade for Ilya Labushkin? Because our team lacked size. Size, physicality, physicality, clearing the front of the net. What does Jake Muzzin do really well? That. That, right? So we are in such a pickle. We are in a heck of a pickle right now with Rasmus Sandin. And it sucks. It really sucks. Because I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a top four defenseman. I think he already he could already be. We just don't know. And that's kind of been the the the. The gripe with this team, it seems like, the, for the past year. Josh was right. I soured on them. They're not doing a good enough job to develop these prospects. They need to do better. They finally have them developed, and they're not giving them any time. So, with that, like, Damn. what are they... Sorry, I've, I've been... This is <laughs> what are they going to do rage. with Sandin? Like, what are you going to do with Sandin? Like, I've seen a lot of people, oh, it's the media trying to stir it up. It's like, I don't I don't think it is. Like, which is when it's you not. try to plug in a roster for next year, like... What the hell is it going to look like based on who you have under contract? Yeah, and if and if you're Sandin, why wouldn't you want to do this? Guys, remember, he sat for almost 365 days without playing a single game of hockey. His yep. dad was... I know that people like, oh, the dad needs to be gone. His dad is obviously a very good, I guess, perspective from his side. And his dad was clearly not happy at all with yep. the past couple of years with how this organization has treated him. Yeah. So Sandin's dad follows us, too. I, I think he's a great follow. He's he hilarious, is. by the way. And his son is fantastic at hockey. He and tweeted today. I don't know if it was sarcastic. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but it was like all the Leafs promotions, and he tweeted like a, the stars in the eyes emoji. <laughs> I don't know if that's, if that is sarcastic. It's absolutely what? hilarious. That's hilarious. Or he's just celebrating Leafs promotions. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? But again, <laughs> if I was the if I was in Leafs management, if I was the Leafs, I think the priority is to get this guy right. And I think what they wanted to do with Timothy Lilligan was get him signed fat first to say, like, hey, look, your buddy over here signed it already, signed with us already. But for him, it's so much easier. The right side for the Leafs is Justin Hall and TJ Brody. You're not going to be on TJ Brody, but there's literally a, a spot for there's you in the crater. roster. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a crater. So, and you already shoot right-handed. You're comfortable playing the right side. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like we'll Timothy Lilligan, you take that deal as a layup. But Rasa Sandin, like, Gosh, please just figure it out. Give yeah. the guys playing time, right? And it, the scary it's here or somewhere else, like yeah. And the scariest part is, like, I know, I know some people might scoff at this or laugh at this, but Carolina was willing to do it. Carolina was kind of a silly move. They gave, end up giving a, a first and a third, or a first for Kotkaniemi, right? The how with the how do I say this with with the offer sheets details, someone can look at the the lease and say, hey. Chances are Rasmus Sandin is not going to get a, a, a fair shake here for, from the Leafs. They could give him up to $4 million on a one-year deal 
and only give a second round pick for Rasmus Sandin. How would you feel if Rasmus Sandin to Wow. Up to four. And if, if you're so Rasmus Sandin, you're getting even like two and a half. Like you're kind of pricing out the Leafs. At yeah. That. And, and at the same time, like the reason why uh, someone wrote an article on this, I, I should be sourcing them. I, I apologize. I forget who, who wrote it. Sarah but Valley? May, maybe. No, no, no. But it would, someone suggested, I, I think it might have actually been Dom. But he said like someone could offer sheet Rasmus Sandin a four by one and then work on an extension next year. Oh, then, and then if he do, if Same it doesn't thing happen with Kak and Yemi. If it doesn't go well, you just don't sign his qualifying offer, which would end up being large because you get. But if some if it does go well, then hey, you got you have a a top four defenseman on your team for a second round pick. What a steal! There you go. It's yeah. like a we are in a terrible Especially spot. Like a, a rebuilding team like Ottawa. Ottawa's looking for the right side, I believe. But like Ottawa, um. Every team need know. every team could Someone use a Ra- Ra- any team that's rebuilling could use a Rasmus Sandin. What about LA? They have their defensemen are not the greatest, right? Possibly they have draft capital. They could be they could be a team that's looking they to compete now, yeah. right? So they they, well, they just traded their first round pick, but they have they, but you don't need your first round pick. You need your second yeah. round pick, right? That's all yeah. you need. I, yeah. I see what you're saying though. They don't want to deplete their their pool, but hey, like would you deplete your the to improve your current roster? They would 100 percent absolutely, do it. Yeah. right? So Good point. Damn. That was a long tangent on Rasmus Sandin, but I've just been thinking about Good this job. a lot. <laughs> was, it made sense. It fully makes sense, a lot. right? So let's uh, we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, the D, as we said with the Leafs D, like this doesn't feel complete. There is a chance something happens. Yeah, and chances are, let's move on. Move on from Rasmus Sandin. But if if Sandin does get traded, like I like we said earlier about the draft, seems like a draft day move. Yeah. Right? Seems like a draft day move. And if not, I'm scared. But anyways, other defense we can touch on. Justin Hall, another guy who's potentially a draft day move. Right? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, around there. I just I still have this gut feeling he's staying on the roster. I don't know why. I just for penalty killing? Yeah. Whatnot? Maybe. Maybe. I just you know when you know when you just get like a gut feeling about something? I don't I can't explain it, but I just I just have a feeling he's gonna be there next year. So Nah, we'll see. We 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 thought for three oh. years Travis Dermott was going to be on the out, and he just seemed to stick around. So, um, and then UFA Ilya Labushkin, chances gone. chances are he's gone, he's gone. especially if I, we I don't believe his Justin agent's Hall. looking for like four and a half, three seven or something. What? It's a lot. It's, he's, he's, Dan Milstein's looking for a lot. Respects to Dan Milstein. Go go get your bag, my friend, because <laughs> that is. I love I love Dilly Labushkin. He was a fun player to watch. He was a black oh, hole. Labushkin or yeah, oh, I thought you said Mikheyev. Oh, okay. I was Sorry. Gonna... Labushkin's looking for like one. Yeah, one okay, one. okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was holy. Say, oh, what a gaff <laughs> well, that you, was. You know what? Like guys, like like some bananas D contracts were signed last year. So I I wouldn't put it past them for, to be looking Four, for like a holy. two three kind of thing. But I think one and a half one is. Yeah, I think one's thing. fair for him. But if we move Hall, he could be coming back. If not. Not really that big of a we'll deal, see. especially if Jake yeah. Muzzin's able to stay healthy. Speaking of Mikheyev, it was Ilya Mikheyev. His goals per 60, which is how many goals he scored while he was on the ice. If you amalgamate that to 60 minutes per game, like what his rank is in the league, he ranks in the 88.6 percentile for five-on-five five goals scored per 60 this, uh, this season. So pretty high up. There are some other free agents that are ahead of him. Um, one int- one fun player ahead of him that I saw, Nino Niederreiter. That's a fun 92.6 That's a fun guy. percentile. 
That's pretty really high. Good. That's really good. But he's he put like, up some very good numbers this year. If I remember correctly, he's not playoffs. He stinks. He's, yeah, he's not a playoff so, guy. We, so. do, we don't. We don't need we that don't at that. all. But, <laughs> but I think he'll be looking for some good dollars. Yeah. We'll see where that one shakes out as well. Yeah, so um, let's get into some goaltending situation. You have written here um, that you're hearing that Campbell five million range. Yes. Minus so contract ish. July fifth is the day that we're recording this. Thirty two thoughts released a quick little, little yeah. mini primer episode before the draft, and I think it was Freeman or Merrick. I don't know who. I, I I'm hoping it's Freeman because he's a lot. He's extremely reliable when it comes to this stuff. But he, I think one of them is hearing at least. Five, five and a half for is as in what not only what Campbell's camp wants, but what potentially what he could get if he goes to open market, referencing teams like Edmonton or even New Jersey who need, who might need a goalie. So that's a little scary to hear mm-hmm. if you're the it's least rumored that Mike Smith is retiring. OK, yeah, that's so that would make more sense as well. Of course, they, they would run Campbell and, and Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Um, the big thing with Campbell and the Toronto Maple Leafs that I've heard, I believe I heard it from 32 Thoughts, I think, or, or DFO Rundown, one of those two, on top of Darren Dreger. So I've heard this from multiple spots, that the Leafs and Jack Campbell from the beginning of this year have been trying to work out an extension. However, the numbers that Campbell's camp has brought to the table have been way too high for the Toronto Maple Leafs, so they keep just it keeps throwing a wrench in the discussions. So that's where when you keep hearing right now, no dollar figures have been exchanged between Jack Campbell and the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's because previous dollar figures were exchanged during the season and they just did not work out at all. Right? And I, I think it's the term as well. I think they're looking yeah. for a fourth year. Uh, the Leafs are trying to give him, you know, three, three by three and a half. They probably, probably want to keep like it that. under five. Probably around the Mrazic contract. Yeah. And but, Campbell's yeah. camp is looking for around probably even a little bit more than what Cal Peterson, his former goaltending partner, got. Yeah. And it's funny because you actually just like the Leafs absolutely screwed themselves with Mrazic more than people even realize. Because when you hand out that deal... If Campbell is even a smidgen better than Mrazek, you have to pay him more. And what <laughs> I, what ended up happening? Mrazek was absolute garbage. <laughs> Campbell's way better. So he's now Campbell's looking at Mrazek and saying, you gave him almost $4 million for three yeah. years, and you want me to accept almost $4 million for three years. <laughs> Am I stupid? Do you think I'm stupid? Because I, I, I would not do that. So, yep. yeah, so... Uh, Likelihood of us getting Campbell, I have no idea. From the reports that, that are being reported, I'm saying less than so, 50% chance that we keep him. Yes. So the big thing is with Jack Campbell now is that when the market opens up, what do goalies start to get? What is the market set at? And then do the Leafs and him circle back? It's like, okay, like this is what goalies are getting paid right now. This is what we'll offer you. Yeah. Because from what I've heard, I... I Heard a little bit from, you know, the insiders, the usual ones, Elliot yeah, Friedman, yeah. Frank Saravalli, all that, that like Darcy Kemper could be going back to the to the, the avalanche. They do have more cap space than people think. So once have, that contract's signed, that kind of sets the market at what it's at. Also, on top of that, it's this is not really a market setter, maybe for the backups, but Casey DeSmith did re-sign for $1.8 million per just right now mm-hmm. for two years. So he had a whatever kind of season. Uh, I think his season before was better. Nine fourteen save percentage. 
Uh, fortunately, his playoffs were cut short, but and the year before he was at a nine twelve save percentage. Yeah. So that one, yeah, the goalies are going to be a tough thing to project, right? Because especially if Kemper goes, I think it's like it might be like actually worse for like us. How can yeah? Because because people are going to be chasing well, Jack he, Campbell, right? Because I think like, we talked possibly. about this before. There's a clear cut three. I think. Okay, so to summarize, what you're saying is that no matter what Kemper starts uh, is signed for, it's not that that is a dollar figure market setter. It's that the supply is now lower. Exactly. We need to chase after this guy uh, faster. Essentially. That that's what I think is probably going to happen. That's because a good point. Because that's a very good theory. What we like, what the general consensus of this free agent pool is, is that there's a. a Kind of, I don't want to say elite yeah. three, but there's a, a top three class of Kemper, uh, Campbell, and Uso. Uh, yeah, Billy, Billy yeah, Uso. Uh, and then after that, you kind of get your flurries, and then there's kind of like a little bit of a drop off. Big one. F- flurries very big. Good. The problem with flurries is he's more you, choosy. He he's can choose wherever exactly he wants. right. So it's it's less of you pursuing flurry or yeah. flurry pursuing you. It's more so for flurry. Heard some people say flurry. Like the Leafs could be in a market for Flurry, so I'm not really gonna say much more than that because mm-hmm. there isn't. It's just speculation. Like yeah. Leafs need a goalie. Flurry is a good <laughs> goalie. Like yeah, let's put two and two together. Yeah, you know. He, so yeah, that's like like I said. So uh, I think the Leafs also this this free agency period are gonna be like the ultimate like ego destination for older guys i feel like like i'm gonna go to the leafs and i'm gonna put them over the top i oh i please i would love that claude Giroux, you can't do it yeah. you can't put the Leafs over the top prove me wrong yeah <laughs> on top of that i don't know where phil castle's gonna go holy smokes he's a legend i could just see him if retiring. he imagine he signs 1.2 with us like for the duration <laughs> that was his buyout Oh my god, that would be so funny! Just for the memes, it'd be hilarious. I love He's Phil. the best guy. But oh. I, I had a point with a goaltending. I forgot. I, I think, interrupted oh, you. No, no, I, we were we were kind of talking. Oh yeah, so if Kemper signs, mm-hmm. uh, there's the top three: Huso, Kemper, Campbell. Yeah. Not like of the those three, like Huso's only played thirty. What, less than 60 NHL games around there. So I think it's going to be a mad dash for Jack Campbell. If that's the case, that's basically what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yuso is a bit more of a dice roll. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of want it. Like, I don't know if what team would do it, but it would be, it, we'll see what team like brings them in for a tandem with their current goaltender. Yeah. But I don't know who that would be. Maybe Colorado, but I think they're chasing more. So the flurry Kemper sort of side, but yeah, Ville uh, Uso, 17 NHL games last year, 893 save percentage, had a really, really tough start. This year, 40 NHL games, 919 save percentage. So that's where he's making his bread kind of thing. Yeah. But not a large sample size, so that's where I don't think the term is really going to be there for him. But he is only 27, whereas like Jack Campbell's in his 30s, mm-hmm. Flurry's in his 30s, Kemper's in his 30s. So he has that advantage that yeah. I can go back to market and still get a little bit more term. Yeah. Once so. I'm more proven, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. So, the, with the way it's looking right now, chances are, I like, well, like I said it before, less than 50% chance of Campbell signing. What do you think? Oh, like, yeah, 25. What do you think the chances of us getting one of those big three? Let's, let's lump. Like let let's leave Flurry out there for a second. What do you think the chances are? Like let's call those. Yeah, big I, I I am 
kind of doubting the Leafs going into the season, and this will segue to our next point with Peter Mrazek and Shalgren or Joseph Wall. Right. So what if? So that because think about it, like uh, Tal Dubis. Are the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know why his name escaped me for, right there briefly, but he has gone into a season with Freddie Anderson and Michael Hutchinson as the backup. So that's even just the backup wasn't sufficient enough. And what happened? It was a disaster. And he had to then pull the trigger on a trade, which luckily did work out very well in Jack Campbell. Oh, yeah. Worked out very well cap-wise as well. So does he want to risk it and then go into another season with two with two very, very unstable goaltenders? I don't know. I think he's going to want to figure out the situation Before. this offseason. Yeah. But I, I feel like he's not going to be one to you know, give Villeuso five by three. I agree. I don't think he's going to do that. And that's that's why I think that we actually are likely to go into the the season looking like that. Because I think that he's both a mix of smart enough not to be handing out these ridiculous deals to some of these goalies. And I think, yeah, I, th- I think he's just smart enough not to do that. And whether, like, that could be bad in the short term, but how much faith do you have in this team with getting not basically sub 900 goal tending and making the playoffs? I think they could do it. They could. But... They, they did it for most of the year last year when Campbell was hurt for almost 40 ish, 30 ish yeah. games. Yeah, so, yeah, this this all stemmed from a Mike 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 Johnson on overdrive suggesting, not suggesting, but saying Leafs fans should start to come around to the idea of maybe starting the season with Mrazek and and another goalie. He, that's that's the big thing he said is Mrazek and another goalie. I just have zero confidence in Mrazek staying healthy. That's my big thing. Like, yeah, if I was going in like, oh, like he just didn't play, he was subpar this year, minus the injury issue, like. The injury issues were so major, and it was the same thing over and over and over yeah. again. Where it's like, okay, like three injury, three lower body injuries in one year that kept you out sixty games. You should just retire at this point. No, oh. <laughs> that would help us yeah. a ton, believe me. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not what uh, that's not the cards that we've been dealt. Mm-hmm. So, so how how would you feel going into the season with those two guys starting? How, like how, what, what, uh, give a percentage with sorry, not two guys, Mrazic. Let's just say Mrazic and not one of Huso, Kemper, or Campbell. I'm gonna allow Mrazic maybe, maybe Flurry Shelter. to get in there. Maybe Flurry, maybe a Laurent Boissois. How I feel or? about the goaltending situation right now, I'm not gonna lie, is not great simply because there's just so much in uncertainty. Right? Like I don't know. Because then when you trade for a goalie, how well do they fit into your current system? And again, you're shuffling up the... There's a possibility that you're shuffling up the D. And yep. will that like give you a very good... I want to call it goalie environment. Will it make it easier for the goalie to play behind from doing so? With like How well is Jake Muzzin going to play? I think that will also... How how healthy is Jake Muzzin going to be? That will also impact the goaltender because he is a 20-plus a minute-a-night guy that's very good defensively. So it's like there are so many question marks in net. And my big thing with hockey predictions, when you're saying if, 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 the more ifs you add, 
the less likely the outcome turns out favorable. So when you look at a team and you go, oh, if this guy steps up, if this guy comes back and has it going, if this happens, if this happens, the team's going to be shit. Because it's something I learned with uh, a few teams, but New Jersey a couple of years ago, I just like there was a few ifs they had in there, and I was like, okay, that's too many ifs. They're going to be garbage, and they were. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you live and you learn. Yeah, a lot of lot of ifs if we if we take take that course, but exactly, I'm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I the would... best is, though, like with Mrazek, it's like, oh, if he stays healthy and plays to his full potential, like full potential is 9-15 goaltending. It's <laughs> not the most inspiring work. Yeah. Well, So it's it's not like, oh, if he keeps it up, blah, 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 it's like we'll get 9-20. That would be like incredible. But it's like if he stays healthy and plays to his full potential, like his realistic potential, it's 9-15. It's not the – you're not – Going wild over nine fifteen yeah. goaltender. How about this? If if the Leafs go in with that goalie tandem of let's say Peter Mrazek and another goalie under one mil, my job better be on the floor with their forward group. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Seriously, that's what I would expect. So, oh, yeah. I don't know if that's an if, but I feel like that kind of <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's it an ultimatum. It worked. Yeah. So. Anyways. Yeah, that's the goalie situation. Um, it's pretty so, yeah. well the Leaf situation right there. Yeah, get comfortable with Peter Mrazek on the team probably. And if he, honestly, if he gets hurt, I know it's terrible to say because he's like a human being and he's getting injured and he's pro- probably messing with his groin, going to probably mess messing him up with for the rest his of mental world. health. Yeah, that getting is getting well. injured this many times. But yeah, like if he gets hurt a bunch, I don't care. Stick him on LTIR and just <laughs> let him let him stay there. Like it's better for us. So, um, so. but yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> unless, unless we don't come out with a goalie, like unless it happens post trade deadline, we don't have another goalie. Then I'll be afraid. But whatever. Calgren, Calgren played. Shalgren. Shalgren is a stud. He has zero goals against in the playoffs. Absolute stud. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's that's my goaltending analysis. Yeah. That's so that's true. a quick little rundown of the Leafs going into the uh, draft slash free agency. Hope hope that guy. Hope you guys that caught everyone up. If, in case you took a little vacation. Uh, from the Leafs, I don't blame you. I wanted to puke because of the Leafs. Yeah. Um, you're caught up now. Hopefully my exactly. ranting on Sandin didn't sour you. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into a little bit of around the league yeah, to end it off. Yeah, let's do that. Kevin Fiala traded from the Minnesota Wild to the Los Angeles Kings and immediately extended 7.875 by seven years. Uh, this was an obvious move. Simply Minnesota's in a wild cap crunch because of the buyouts from Suter and Parise. Kevin Fiala was just kind of the odd man out. Fantastic player, 85 points last year, over a point per game. Uh, didn't have the best playoffs in there as well. Uh, Frank Saravalli made a great point on this. It seems like the return was pretty low for Kevin Fiala. However, the situation that Minnesota was in with him was so bad that they were kind of squeezed. Like it, it turned out to be a good return for how squeezed they were. When you think about it, this is a guy that Minnesota might not have been able to qualify or they would have been stuck with that qualifying offer. And then the value was just even tanked even further. Like that's where they needed to get that done before the draft or else because every ticking day just kind of reduces the value of Kevin Fiala. Right. So they got the 19th overall pick, which is very good. And they got a defenseman. I don't have his name on me. Do you have it? Uh, Yes, it is. Brock Faber. Brock Faber at the University of Minnesota. Former second. Played for the United States at the Olympics, a man's tournament, and apparently looked, from all accounts I heard, looked very good. 
smooth skater, can be a top four-ish kind of guy, um, and can be played in several different situations. So big thing with him, which is why Minnesota liked him, is like you said, he plays for the. He's the captain of the University of Minnesota, right? I don't know. If I he, think so. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's a right. little feather in the cap for them. But I don't know. I I think they lost that. And he'll deal. be coming in on a cheap deal, and he'll be able to take over. And like alleviate an aging decor as well. Yeah, that's true. When you think about it. I just I I can't speak to the prospect at all. Mm-hmm. But a former second round pick and a first for Kevin Fiala. I think Kevin Fiala is an absolute stud of a player. He drives offense very very drives. He's a great play driver and he gets points. There's a myth about him that he he's a product of Kirill Kaprizov. The past two years he's played 80 minutes with him. Yeah, with Kirill Kaprizov. He is de- the definition of let me drive the bus. He drives his own bus. So I love I love this deal for LA. I think they got a great deal and I love yeah, I, and I think I'm, he'll fit in very well. Exactly. He's gonna what be they fitting need. in with Phil Deneau and Andre uh Kempe, Kempe. Adrian Kempe in there as well. Like that just seems like a fantastic fit. Even if he's playing with Kopitar and Ooh. he can he can even like be be like a third line scoring kind of like kind of guy where he just drives his own line. They have three crazy lines, right? Mm-hmm. Like not crazy, but Having to know Kopitar and Fiala separated could really ha- give your team a lot of depth, right? And they, uh, LA seems to have a, a, a few good wingers to surround these guys with, and Fiala plays wing as well, but they'll find a center. Yeah, and they Maybe they have a young pool. center. They had right? a good prospect pool, exactly. or like U25 pool as well. So parting with Brock Faber in the 19th overall pick wasn't yeah. devastating for them as they are trying to make a push right now. Yeah. Uh, other move made was... Ryan McDonough was traded to the Nashville Predators for Grant Mismatch, Mismash, and Philip Myers. That Phillip is their Myers, real name, by the way. Yes. Phil Myers did was loaned to the Marlies uh, this past season, so some Toronto fans are familiar with him. Um, he was loaned there because he was on waivers. Uh, just did not work out at all in Nashville. Um, uh, he does, if he is bought out by the Tampa Bay Lightning, there is a cap credit, so they mm-hmm. are actually... They get cap space from buying him out. If you remember a few years ago, that was the case with Jared Cowan and the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, where then Cowan criticized the Leafs and said, I wasn't actually injured. I could have played. You guys are liars and cheaters. But the Leafs bought him out anyways. (laughs) Uh, So that was kind of funny. But the Tampa Bay Lightning, it seems like right now, do want to keep Philip Myers and try to rebuild him, similar to what the Leafs did with Galchenyuk. Or Cody Ceci. Cody C is a little different. Cody uh, C was an NHL player. Let's put that maybe in quotations. What did they build him to be? <laughs> but what like another deal like tidy tidy work for the the Tampa Bay Lightning? Ryan McDonough uh, was a great defenseman for them, and Tampa Bay they got him in a trade I think as a pending UFA, and then immediately yep. signed him to a six point seven five million dollar deal mm-hmm. for seven years. And if you told the Lightning going into that deal that you only had to pay him for three years and didn't have to give anything up to, up to offload him, you'd be laughing. Because when you when you sign that deal, everyone's thinking, yeah, that looks great in the first couple of years, but what about the last couple ones? And they made out like bandits. Because and, like teams would love to have those three almost prime defensive years, 30 to 33, 29 to 33 of Ryan McDonough. And... Good for them because they're shown to be cutthroat and willing to make room for their prospects and younger guys coming up. Not taking shots at anyone in particular, mm-hmm. but 
Yeah, the, good for them because with by making this move, they now basically have the almost the exact same team as last year, mm-hmm. other than obviously Ryan McDonough, who is aging. And it, it was a big part. He was, was a, a big, big part, part for sure. Team. But they're expecting Cernak to take a step, and that's what you should expect of your prospects. Exactly. To you need to take risks, right? Yeah. If you want to keep Palat, if you want to keep Sorelli, if you want to keep uh, Cernak, Cernak and Sergachev. You want to keep those guys? Take so, a risk. Exactly. Let, them take, let them take a step. So similar to what they did with many Sorry. other players, also, uh, it looks like they're going to probably try to re-sign some of the restrictive free agents um, as they're going into their last year. They believe they did that with Kucherov, Vasilevsky, and a few other guys. Um, so we'll see if they're able to get that uh, get done, the Sorelli deal. Braden Point was the other one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if they're able to get done the Sorelli, Chernak, and... Uh, Sergachev deals as they go into their last year. The big thing with Ryan McDonough in this, like I looked at the return, I'm like, I thought maybe he would be able to get a little bit more. I mean, this is a guy that averaged more five-on-five minutes through the last three playoffs than anyone on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right? Yep. Like He was a massive part to them winning those two Stanley Cups. Yep. He, I believe he scored the game-winning goal in two thousand in last year, two thousand twenty one. Yep. But when you look at it, just the age of Ryan McDonough, the and the cap hit, and you just know that the play is going to diminish even more. Mm-hmm. It's tough to say this guy that, that this guy has value on the open market. So that's where he only he went for a cap credit and a C level prospect. Yeah. However, when you sign free agents, it's the most expensive way some. Scott Boris said, uh, Scott Boris, I think, I don't know, Boras, Bora. Anyways, the, the MLB agent, the big MLB agent. He said, signing free agents, free agents is the most expensive way to acquire a player. Why? Because those last years on the contract, you're going to be paying for heavily because they're not going to be playing up to their value. You have signed Ryan McDonough to a seven-year deal $6.75 million cap hit per. And you had him for the first three years, the prime years of that contract. And then he's gone after that. Without having to, have to give anything. Without having have to give up anything. Remember, they gave up a second round pick to get rid of Tyler Johnson last year. Yeah. When teams knew they, they were did. in a cap crunch. And teams know they're in a cap crunch now. And they, they just allowed him to get away for free. It's crazy. Right? So they actually got something back from Ryan McDonough. So that's where, you know what? You got to tip your cap to the lightning and wonder what direction the the National Predators are going in. Fun story from a podcast that won't be named on here because I don't like them. But um, (laughs) uh, not that I don't like them, but just anyways, whatever. Um, There's a story that Brisebois told. Oh, you have to. Kipper and Bourne. Kipper and Bourne. Fine. Kipper, say your story to Mitch Marner. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so the Kipper had a story that uh, Brees Bob basically went to Ryan McDonough and said, listen, there's a deal on the table for you to go to Nashville. Waive your no trade clause. Basically tell him to waive his no trade clause. And obviously McDonough has no trade clause. No, I'm not waiving it. He said, okay, if you don't waive it, I am going to put you on waivers. And the Columbus Blue Jackets told me they will claim you. So you either go to Columbus or you go to Nashville. And he said, okay, I'm waiving my no trade clause. <laughs> so, great Great cutthroat work from a from a GM who's. If you want to keep winning, yeah. Like, if you want to keep this winning culture alive, you, you gotta. That's what you gotta do. Ruffle some feathers, right? Yep. 
So and even not, if you want to yeah. operate an NHL team, you're yeah. going to ruffle some feathers. So yes, you need it's unfortunate to. for Ryan McDonough to have to leave Tampa Bay, but you know what? Nashville's a pretty nice place to I live, think, I've heard. I think he's happy with his two rings. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think he wants to win more, which is why he's he another one of these, those Tampa guys, though, that like will will kill someone, too. Yeah. What are the odds he gets bought out within the next three years and then goes back to Tampa? Oh. Like, very likely? <laughs> I don't know if his contract That's can even be bought out. Um, it would just it would ruin them, I believe, especially if they're trying to re-sign Forsberg. What yeah, would the I buyout guess. be? It's honestly not that bad if you buy it out. If you buy it out this year, it's three mil this year, then four hundred k next year, then one mil, then four mil, and then two for the well, rest. That's four point six three and twenty five twenty six. Yeah, mm. but I'm willing to bet that mm. it's not great. Can you uh, change the date on this? Tough. Let me see what happens if you buy them on 2024. All right. It's Some not that bad. Anyways, idea. but. Anywho. Yeah. That's uh, that's the whole Ryan McDonough situation right there. And uh, just to relate it back to the Leafs, because we always do, a lot of people are saying, why not put Jake Muzzin on waivers? He will be claimed, clearly. I I feel like the Leafs kind of lack like, I understand that. I understand Jake Muzzin had a rough year this year. He was not very good in the regular season. Stepped it up majorly in the playoffs. Um, he's an aging defenseman on an expensive deal, right? Like, kind of like what Ryan McDonough was. But, mm-hmm. like, if you get to the playoffs, do you win without having your Jake Muzzin there? I, I don't think so. An extremely underrated thing about Jake Muzzin in the playoffs is the last few years he has four goals in seven games apiece. Sorry, six games in in two two years ago, seven games this past year. That's more than our offensive dynamo defenseman. I'm sorry. I'm 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 cutting it how it is. Guys, you're like we gotta be honest with ourselves. We gotta be honest with ourselves. All right. Tessa so, Virtues wag. <laughs> we'll call him. But I don't. I I think the sim situation is, is completely I, I different. I understand, like I, just efficiency wise, like oh yeah, that would make sense. But it's like, like with what Jake Muzzin provides you, like here's okay, the thing: you sure, you get it in Giordano. You don't get that in Riley, though. No, right? Like no. It, it it's. I have a tough time believing if they go into the playoffs even this year without Jake Muzzin, and with how he played, like that it ends up this close, right? Yeah, I, I get Jake. You're Mus- just way too... You're not going to be able to clog up lanes. You're not going to be able to play defense like you did without Jake Muzzin. Yep. So you're just better off rolling the dice that he stays healthy enough that in the playoffs he can play like that again. See, Which again, that will... Like to keep him then is a dice roll on its own. I, I don't even... I honestly disagree. Because apparently our GM doesn't know anything about long-term <laughs> that, IR. That's why, but... I yeah like again like if he gets hurt in the season who cares like I know it sounds silly oh, to God. say who cares guys just use LTIR space it's it's hilarious it's hilarious just but that's all who you have cares to do if he gets injured all right no I, you know what I mean like I'm talking about team level wise I care a lot if Jake Muzzin I gets hurt I love Jake Muzzin care. I put Jake Muzzin on my Team Canada roster this time last year okay I love Jake Muzzin I hope Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin heard about your broken wrist said who cares <laughs> and we're laughing but yeah <laughs> they probably did but i hope they imagine did. <laughs> but uh what was i saying about jake anyways jake muzzin has been great literally throughout his entire career so i would not buy out jake he muzzin. had a hiccup last year he was hurt for majority of the year his back was messed up 
He played in the playoffs, played oh, tough, not... tough minutes, played fantastic in those minutes, scored two goals for us, good, great defensively shutting down some amazing forwards and Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Steven Stamkos. Tough minutes against a team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals that wasn't the Montreal Canadiens. That was the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are a legit team who just came off of winning the Cup. And Jake Muzzin did a, sta- a bang-up job in, in defending against them. Yeah. TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin is one of the best defensive. You stick them together. You stick them together for a season. That's a top three defensive pair in the NHL. Ooh. Random, right. random number off the top of my head, but come on. Who would you rather have as, a def- as an actual defensive pair that plays together on the same team? There's not many guys who, who are as good as those two guys at doing it. So... There's probably someone I'm just drawing. I'm sure there is. Like, <laughs> Palak, Pollock, sure. Like, you can maybe even argue Cal McCarr and Devin Tejas because they're so dominant maybe. the other way, right? I think they're way better. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, that's the best They're definitely the way better. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying strictly defensively, throw me that bone. They're a, fanta- they're a fantastic duo. Um, I would not do that. And also, the biggest difference between the McDonough and uh, Muzzin deal, McDonough made, I think it makes about one and a half million, one million. $1.25 million more than Jake Muzzin and is signed for two years longer. Though That's huge. Yeah. Because the difference between being 35 when your deal ends and 37 is massive. It is. It so, is. Body age ages pretty quickly in the, in the 30s there. The last two points we have here really quick. Nick Paul, 3.15 over seven years. Actually, Josh called that and we kind of shut it down yep. last, last, two, a couple he, episodes ago. He hit the nail on the head with that. Good for him. Good for him. Hit a home run with that. Tidy work by the team. Tidy work by the GM. It's like a little weird seeing that turn with such a low number. But Nick Paul doesn't really it's a have... a Nashville-type yeah. contract. Yeah, it's like right. Yarn Yarncrock. Yeah. Uh, and then Jesse Pugliarvi does want out of Edmonton. Yeah. Just threw him on there because maybe that's like the Leafs need middle six wingers. Could the be Leafs a... need scoring. He does not score. That's true. Plain and simple. Fair enough. I, I would love... I like. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. Big body, skates pretty fluidly, distributes the puck pretty well. Somewhat pretty smart, I would say, on top of that, but cannot finish for the life of him. However, to take a little bit off of my point there, like Valerie his arch- yeah, his archetype is kind of similar to Valerie Nachushkin. Like Puliarvi's only twenty three years old, so I don't know. Maybe a change of scenery could do him very well. Or maybe some further development, some more coaching from Jay Woodcroft would do him well in Edmonton, right? So we'll see how that one shapes out. It's kind of funny. This is the second trade request from Yessi uh, Pugliarvi. Really? Well, you remember, he went back to Finland one year. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. He just didn't sign. He went back to Finland. Yeah. So we'll see how that one shakes out. I think we've... Uh, I think we got through everything. Yeah. If there's anything you want guys want to hear us talk about after the draft, we're probably going to record next week Tuesday, and hopefully have an episode out for you for free agency. Yeah. So um, yeah, keep an eye out for those awesome names in the uh, in the draft coming up. Uh, who, who would you say is your favorite from what the from names the in names, the draft? The names, just names. Uh, well, well, it was cut, not Cutter. The guy with the hands, Ginter. The guy with the mustache. Jagger Furkus. Jagger Furkus. That's my favorite name. Uh, I like Rutger McGrory. That's, that's a good my, one, too. That's a, that's a great one to say. It's fun. McGrory. And Mr. Applebee's. You can Ooh, never forget Mr. Exactly. Applebee's. Exactly. <laughs> Anywho, th- 
You have any other closing points here? Nope. Nope. Right. Nope. We'll see you before free agency. We've been working tirelessly on this one. So see you pre-free agency for that episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go, Lisco.